what we're going to be doing today is to continue with our series called Breath. And what's really interesting is that um, both Greek and Hebrew words often have multiple applications. Like we know the word pneumatic with a P-N-E-U. And it comes from the Greek word pneuma, which means breath. And it's actually the same word in the New Testament that we have for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and it's the same word. And so what we're going to be doing today is to ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And we're going to be looking at some, in particular, at the Gospel of John. Um, I wrote that quite a while ago. No, I didn't. <laughs> Actually, before I start, I have to confess that I've been diagnosed with a serious illness. Um, uh, it's called snuffles. And uh, I hope that it, you know, gets my pronunciation right. So we got, what we're going to do is to do a very short um, skim through the Gospel of John, in particular looking at passages of the Holy Spirit. And we're asking the question, not so much who is the Holy Spirit, which probably should have come first. We're asking the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Gospel of John is the go-to place on the person and the works of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul takes it up later, particularly in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, and where he fleshes it out. But we're going to be looking at Jesus' words. In particular, we're going to be looking at the upper room discourse. Now, that is, the, that is John chapter 13 to 17. Now, I've got a red letter Bible, which they put the words of Jesus into red. And it's pretty cool. One of the things you'll notice is that while John chapter 13 has some black and some red, from 14 to 17, it's almost entirely Jesus' words. And in particular, where he talks about the one who is coming after him, the Holy Spirit. But it begins in John chapter 1, so we can have our first slide up. Um, John chapter 1, verse 21 to 33. Now, those of you, some of you know I've, I've started the journey of learning te reo, and one of the ways that I'm learning it is actually reading the Bible in Māori. And so you're going you're gonna to be part of my lesson today. So, so we're reading now from John 1, 21 to 23. Then John, not the author, not me, this is John the Baptist we're talking about. It's really confusing to have three Johns in one room. It's like a bathroom with three toilets, really. <laughs> if you're American. <laughs> that was the snuffles, right? It wasn't me. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me, God, sent me to baptise with water and told me, Ko te tangata e kete ai koe e te wairua e heke ihu ana, e noho ana ki runga, ki a ia ko ia tena te kairiri ki te wairua tapu, which is the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain, that's really important, is the one, this is Jesus, who will baptise you in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist went round 
And he brought a baptism, a water baptism for the repentance of sin. He said, as you go under the water, I want you to come out now and turn your life around and walk in a way which is, which is righteous, which is the way of God. Jesus, however, brings a divine baptism of the third person of the Trinity. This baptism doesn't just make you wet. This baptism is not just for repentance to turn from sin. It brings complete spiritual regeneration and transformation. And we see this in our next passage in John chapter 3. I won't go into detail, but it's an incredible passage, a dialogue between Nicodemus, who was a Jewish leader who comes at night, sneaky, sneaky, didn't want to be seen with him, but he came at night to have a chat-chat with Jesus. And Jesus gives one of the most important um, talks in the Bible. Um, and he says this, I'm just picking up a part of it. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, very truly, I tell you, it's interesting that in several times in the Gospel of John, in the King James Bible, it sounds even cooler, it introduces you a really important truth where it says, verily, verily, I say unto you. The modern translations say, truly, truly, I say to you, or very truly. And so it's what Jesus is saying. Hold, stop. What I'm going to say to you now has extreme truth. This demands our full attention. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Now, the key thought here is, is, is that there is a contrast in John chapter 5, it talks about being born of water and the Spirit. And in John 6, it talks about birth of the flesh and birth of the Spirit. Now, water and flesh mean the same thing. They belong to our realm. Water is our realm. Well, if you read Revelation, there's some pretty cool water there, but it's probably rivers of sort of liquid gold or, or something pretty cool. But water, H2O, belongs to us. Flesh belongs to us. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is that we are of the flesh. And when flesh gives birth to flesh, where's Alicia? <laughs> She's, hi Alicia, 30 weeks pregnant. Now that's a miracle. That is really cool. Flesh gives birth to flesh and a baby is going to be born. And that is just so awesome. What Jesus is saying is a different type of birth and a different agency of birth, and it has an entirely different outcome of the birth. What he is saying is that it is so dramatic, it is like we are born again. Yes, Jesus came up with that term. In fact, the word again, the Greek word anothen, means two things, and it's the context of their use which determines what they mean. It actually can mean again, just like again. But it can also mean from above. What Nicodemus thought Jesus was saying 
He was using the translation or the context again. What he thought Jesus was saying is that we need to be physically reborn again, physically. And Jesus said, no, this rebirth is not of the flesh. It is from above. It is divine and it is changing and it's transformational. It's a new, it's a divine intervention from the Spirit of God. And that's really where we get introduced to the Spirit in the Gospel of John. At his baptism, when the Spirit descends on Jesus and remains. And in here, we talk about the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit. We're now going to flick quite a few chapters and go to the upper room discourse. Before we have a look at this, which are incredibly important words, we need to get a bit of background. John chapter 13 is the Last Supper. Now, the, G the disciples, we know, were terrified with what Jesus was saying. He had just broken bread with your rabbi, who you know is to be the Son of God now, or you're starting to work that out. And he says, well, I'm going away now. I'm leaving you on your own. And Peter says, hey, whoa, I'm, if you're going somewhere, I want to come with you. And Jesus says, hey, hold the horses. You will come later, but that's not what, really what I'm saying. What they were is confused and terrified. And at the beginning of John chapter 14, Jesus says these amazing words. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Because what he was going to say to them now will answer all their spiritual and physical anxiety. It was, he was going to say something which was utterly important. And this is what he said in John 14, verse 15 to 16. I'm leaving out a lot of it. Go and read it yourself. It's amazing. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. It's interesting that Jesus always throws these little taglines if you love me, you can do what you like and do what you like and you can hurt people and, you know, blah. No, he says, if you love me, your love will be shown by the life that you live. So we can't throw that away. But moving in, he says, and if you love me and keep my commands, and here it is, and I will ask the Father to give you another counsellor to help you and be with you forever. Who is this? Verse 17, it is the spirit of truth. Then something interesting. The world, what is the world? The world is the world who has shut God out. I watched an interview with, with Richard Dawkins, who's one of the world's leading atheists. Unfortunately, he was, he was talking to John Lennox, who's an even smarter Christian. Um, but he, he is determined in his life that, that there is no God. And so whatever, whatever the world believes is opposite to what the Spirit of God brings. And it's only when the Spirit of God comes and renews and transforms someone and they're born again. Do you know the interesting thing about becoming a Christian we do not believe in order to understand. Should I say, we don't understand in order to believe. I've got the punchline's gone, that snuffles. We don't get an understanding and search first for evidence in order that we believe. Once we come and submit to Jesus, 
we believe, all the understanding comes in. And then the Scripture becomes open to us because the Spirit of God now is in us and we're able to understand and discern truth. <clears throat> the world cannot accept Him because it, cause it, because it neither sees Him or knows Him, but you know Him. And here's the really interesting thing and the important thing. This is Jesus talking to terrified disciples and followers. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. The key thoughts here is that Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is introduced as another counsellor. Now, that word is translated pretty much differently in every translation. The Greek word is parakletos. And we would, we would, we would say a paraclete, which is like a bird. It's not a chicken. It's more like a dove thing. I don't know what a paraclete is. I really don't. Um, but it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bird. But in the Greek, the word parakletos has different meanings. But as a noun, it refers to this. It refers to a big ship that comes alongside a small ship that is in trouble. In a particular, the, the, the context of the Mediterranean winter storms, which come up quickly. That's what Paul got shipwrecked in. And if a small ship was in trouble, Greg was out there in his P-class yacht, and he was trying to do his best into a hundred knot wind and getting dragged to Malta or somewhere, they would send a parakletos to come alongside. And the parakletos would park across the wind and it would shelter the little ship. And it was this amazing picture of the Holy Spirit as the one who comes all along alongside you. Whatever you are going through in life, what Ellie's family, the grief that they're going through in life, whatever life has thrown you, I want to say to you, you've got a big ship that has come alongside you to give you shelter from the storm, to rescue you, to guide you, to lead you, to show you where the, to, to go, where the harbour is, where safety is. It's a beautiful picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's also translated advocate, counsellor, uh, comforter, helper. Interesting that the, that the word counsellor or the word advocate has a legal connotation. It's just like the Holy Spirit for Christians acts as our defence lawyer. Now, I have unfortunately lusted after... I'm picking on Greg again, because uh, why not? Um, uh, I have really lusted after Greg's lawnmower, and I've decided that I'm just going to go and nick it. You know, um, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to do that. And Greg gets all snotty, snotty, and he brings me before the court. But the Holy Spirit says, look, okay, here's my defence attorney. As Christians, when we do slip up and we sin, we need to understand that we have the Spirit of God as our defender. But interesting, the Spirit of God has another role because the world does not recognise Him or know Him. The Holy Spirit also acts as the prosecuting attorney 
for the world. And he said that he will hold the world to account and because of its sin and unrighteousness. So the Spirit of God for us as believers is our defence attorney, our comforter. In fact, the real meaning is not so much as like a, a nasty cold court of law. It's more like someone who is a counsellor of enormous repute comes alongside you, the Paracletos, and says, okay, we can fix this. We can do this together. That's the thought of the counsellor. The helper is another word for the Holy Spirit. And so when we become born again by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God comes in to live, us, live in us and He is our helper. He is our defender. He is our comforter. He is all of those things. The other important word in verse 16 is the word another counsellor. What on earth does Jesus mean? Another counsellor. What Jesus was saying is that with the Holy Spirit when He comes will be someone who is just like me. Just like me. Another. What Christ is, the Holy Spirit will be. When we talk to the Holy Spirit, do you know the main role of the Holy Spirit is to bring Jesus to us? When we say that Jesus is real to us, we're actually talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you realise that everything that happens in the life of a believer, whether we're praying to the Father or the Son, everything that happens to believers, to church, to community, to prayer, to everything is by the Spirit of God because He is the another counsellor. He is God with us. And so when we come, we can have confidence that this Holy Spirit that we don't have to look for. Now, sometimes I catch myself out theologically. I say, as I was sitting there, I was going, oh, Holy Spirit, come upon me. I thought, what a silly comment. The Holy Spirit is in me. I just say, Holy Spirit, in me, manifest yourself this morning. Come and make, your, make Jesus real through me because you are in me. We don't have to sit on our knees groveling for the Holy Spirit to come because the Holy Spirit is in us. And when Christians come together, we don't have to ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is with us and He's with us now. And what we're going to do now, we're going to move into communion. And in communion, what I want us to do is to think about the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Rightfully, rightfully in communion, we focus on Jesus. But now our focus on Jesus is actually through and by the Spirit of God. So and, um, uh, Steve is going to lead us in communion. But after communion, I'm just wanting to give a, um, a, an opportunity to us. And that opportunity is this. Knowledge is awesome. I love knowledge. But I can tell you something else I, I, I love more, and that's experience. Because it's the experience of God, and in particular of the Holy Spirit, that makes Jesus real in us. Why? It's because He is the other counsellor. The Holy Spirit is the identical. He's identical to Jesus. And that's His role. 
and we can come and ask the Spirit of God to fill us again. I don't know about you, but my life, I, I feel sometimes like I'm a colander. I love cooking, but you know, colanders are always difficult things because they always take a lot of room. And I, I'm sort of the cook in our house or the main cook, and I have stuff everywhere. I want a much bigger kitchen. My bucket list is a Jamie Oliver kitchen before I die. You know, I might have to convert a retirement home. I need to buy a couple of units and put one of them as my kitchen or something. Actually, I'm not gonna go into one of those either. So. Um, what I'm going to ask is that, is, that, is that there's going to be a prayer time here, is that after communion, we're going to offer prayer for the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I, we could spend weeks looking at this, but the way the Holy Spirit brings the supernatural presence of God and brings Jesus, who is now seated at the hand, right hand of the Father, to bring Jesus into us to give us power are through the gifts of the Spirit. You know, I treasure the gifts of the Spirit. If I'm ever having an anxious moment or a moment where it's just challenging life, I like to speak in tongues. That's what I like to do because it gives me, I know it's supernatural. So if you want a supernatural gift, come, come and get prayer afterwards. I've got, I actually really like praying for people to, to have the gift of tongues. And if that's something that you want, just come and tap me on the shoulder here afterwards and we can do that. So let's pray and we're gonna hand over to Steve. Holy Spirit, Wairua Tapu, we thank you that you are God. We thank you, you are God in the third person and that your role is to come and make Jesus real. You are to come to be our teacher, our guide, our counsellor, the one who loves us, the one who makes Jesus real. That as we grow in our faith, you make Jesus more and more real each day. So as we come now to communion, we thank you and we just set our mind on you and we open our, open our hearts and minds to what you want to do. Amen.